Well, so last week we were in a room that's a little bit smaller and it's a little warmer. You get in this bigger room and it's a little cooler in here. So that uh, was a blessing, though, because we prayed about a finding a bigger space and little did we realize it was right next, next, next door. So we're grateful for that. We're welcome. We're so excited that you're here this morning. If you don't know who I am, my name is Brady Testorf, and I am the uh, pastor here at Calling Community Church and have been in this community for a really long time. I see a lot of really familiar faces. I've known them for years, and that is exciting to me. It's always good to meet new faces, too. We're thankful for the people who came for the baby dedications. What a blessing that is to have family in town and to be here together, and we welcome those who are listening via the uh, the podcast. It's exciting. We're so glad you're here. So we've been, we've been talking about the early church and how, they, uh, how the church started, how it was birthed, and then what it was that they were devoting themselves to. And so if you look at Acts chapter 2, that's kind of where we get our, our, uh, our text from, or at least the beginning of our text today. Lily Joe's going to add to the sermon. She got her own little thing to say, and that's great. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 42... Just repeat these words after me. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so that's the very first thing it says that they devoted themselves to. So I began to try to discover what it is that what it is that they're devoting themselves to. What is the apostles' teaching? And I, and I discovered that the Greek word for teaching is didache, which literally is, I didn't even know this at the time, but it's actually a document that's written in history. It was written by the early apostles as a, as a, a way to live for the early Christians. Like, we're going we're gonna to write this out. This is the way that you should live as an early follower of Jesus. Now, the, the actual document itself did not make the the cut for the actual canonization of Scripture or the, the organization of Scripture kind of got left on the editing room floor, but it was actually a, t- a text written and recorded probably about 50 years after Jesus was born. So you imagine it was around maybe 16 to 17 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. And, but it was an actually real document, but the, but the word teaching means the dake. And so as we think about that particular word, now, the, now this is how my mind works, and this is probably just gives you a little bit of insight into how, how I'm wired. When I first heard the word didache, or I thought it was called didache, the first thing that came to my mind was, was the John Cougar Mellencamp song, Jack and Diane. Now you may ask, Brady, how is that possible? Because the first thing I thought was a little ditty about Jack and Diane. A little didache, <laughs> a little teaching about Jack and Diane. Now, a ditty itself is actually a small poetic or a short poetic song, but it's actually a teaching about something. And so I was thinking, a little ditty about Jack and Diane. Two American kids growing up in the what? Thank you. So you guys have been doing your homework. Oh, yeah, life goes on long after the thrill of what? Living is gone, okay? Long <laughs> after the thrill. So a little teaching about Jack and Diane that kind of got me on to this, this thought. Now, what was the main idea of the song, Jack and Diane? Anybody know? Just, does it not, doesn't really matter in eternity, but the, does anybody know what the main idea was? Hold on to 16 as long as you can. 
you know, because you've got to grow up, right? So stay a child as long as you can enjoy being young, because eventually you grow up and you have babies and you dedicate them at church, all right? And that's a good thing. That's exciting. So that was the kind of the main idea. And so as we look at what the main idea of the early apostles' teaching, we find some, some obviously some similar, similar characteristics of what we're, what's in the Bible, of what's in the Gospels um, of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, because that's where they got their teaching from. They had experienced life with Jesus, and so, they had, they, so they'd gotten this information, and they wrote it down, because remember, the church grew quickly. 3,000 people in one day came to put their faith in Jesus Christ, and so then all of a sudden it's like, what are we supposed to teach them? Now what? Parents, we, these children are born to us. Now what? <laughs> What are we supposed to teach them? What do we think is important for them to know? What are the key things that we want our children to understand? And we think that's so important around here as this church is that parents are the primary educator of their children. And, and I'll just be honest with you. It's your responsibility to teach them these truths, to pass these things on to them. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, in, in the people of Israel's beginning of their history, when they were early followers of God, they were told, pass this on to your children. Talk about it when you lie down and when you're up moving around. You know, put, it, put this information in your homes and make sure your kids know this teaching. And so as parents, when you learn something, hopefully you'll learn something today, take it home and teach it to your children. Sit down with them and discuss it. Say, hey, what do you, what do you think about this? Hey, did, have you ever heard the song Jack and Diane? Do you even know who John Cougar, Cougar Mellencamp is? You know, most of your kids probably won't know. But so, so sit down with them and talk about what it is that you've learned. And I think that's just crucial. You are the primary motivator and the educator of your children. So 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus, and so they're thinking, what are we supposed to teach them? So here is just a few highlights of this document. We're not going to cover all of it because there's just too much of it because there's 16 chapters, and it starts with the reminders of Jesus' teaching, the fundamental teachings of Jesus, and we'll cover a few of those in a little bit. It talks about instruction on, on particular sins, the things that you should avoid in your life, and teaching on how and why you should give and be generous to those um, around you. They talked about being baptized in living water. It's interesting. It said, if you have living water, baptize them in living water. But if you don't have living water, then baptize them in that. Or if you don't have water at all, just dip, pour water on their head. Or if you don't have a body of water, just pour water on their head in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, so I, was, I automatically started thinking, well, at the Y, we have living water. Would that be the, like the lazy river? That'd be the living water. Or, or the hot tub would be living water if you push the right button, you know. That would be living water. And so we'll continue to pray that eventually we'll be able to baptize people here. That'd be, that'd be amazing to get the chance to do that. So he talked about baptism. He talked about um, praying the Lord's Prayer and sharing the Lord's Supper together. Uh, it covered how to treat leaders in the church and other Christians. It also talked about like when someone comes to your home and they need a place to stay, let them come and stay for about two to three days. Now, if they stay any longer than that, they need to get a job, all right? Literally, it says they need, if, they, if they have a trade, they need, to, they need to actually practice their trade and give back and help um, with the cost of living there in their household. But it says open up your home and let people come and stay there. So it's kind of like with your kids when they get a little bit older, you know, maybe your kids want to stay with you for the rest of their life. And eventually you're like, look, you got to get a job. you got to help out around here. It's, it's, it's biblical teaching. And then they also reminded the young believers, hey, keep watch for Jesus' return. Because it's going to come. 
Jesus is going to come back, and so we need to keep watch, and we need to be prepared for that moment. And so these are some of the interesting stuff that was covered in that particular document. Like I said, we can't cover all of it. And so I thought about this, the theme of the, the Jack and Diane song, a little teaching about the way to live. The apostles tell how you should receive and give. In Christ, life goes on long after our life on earth is gone. There you go. All right? Thank you for coming. That's all I got. That was, that's the best thing I can know. So I was just, so it got me thinking. So, but we have the benefit of the entire Bible. We can look back and see all of, all of the teaching of Scripture. We can see everything that Jesus, well, not everything that Jesus has said, because in the, in the, the book of John, it said if it recorded everything that Jesus has said and taught, there wouldn't be enough books to contain all of it. But we get to look back and we get to see what it was that Jesus was teaching the church, the church of then and the church now. And, and to this day, Jesus is still our most trusted source when it comes to material to teach one another and to teach in the church. He's, he's the source we draw on the most. It's, it's, it's necessary to do that. And so first of all, I was thinking about what is, what is the church or what is the church called? Well, there's a particular word they use for the church, and that is ecclesia, which means this. The called out ones. So the church of Jesus Christ is the called out ones. The people who are set apart to, to spread his message. It literally means out from and to. So you're coming out from something, going to something else. Maybe it's out from the world and to God. So we bring ourselves out and we offer ourselves to God. Just like we bring these babies out and we offer them to God out from our homes to this place. The reason why we come and gather in a central place to hear teaching and to worship together because we are to come out and to come to this place. And then we are to go out from this place to the world. That is the church. That's what we're supposed to do. We take what we've learned here and we go out to the world. And so, so as we look back just a little bit in, in the text, Jesus gave his disciples... This, these early apostles, he gave them a commission, a great commission, it says, and it's in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. So if you have your Bible with you, you can turn there real quick, and it'll get us, get us going here. So Matthew 28, starting in verse number 16. So Matthew 28, verse 16, if you have your own. Bible, we actually have Bibles provided to you as well, so if you can grab those. And so it says this, it says that then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and when he saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he says, teach them everything that I've commanded you. So that makes me think, okay, what were Jesus' commands? And I know we have the Ten Commandments and it's not that Jesus abolished those and said, well, you don't have to follow those anymore. Those are still something that are beneficial and something we should follow for sure. But even in this passage of Scripture, there's three things that Jesus asks us to do. 
One is to go out from where they were and make disciples to all nations. The other is to baptize people. I command you, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's the reason why when we baptize someone, that's how we do it, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We baptize. And then the other commandment is to teach people to obey my commands. That's what he asked the early followers to do. And so just, just to give us an idea of what are, what are some of the things that Jesus taught. Once again, we could, spend, we could spend the rest of our lives going through everything that Jesus taught and following the things that he taught. And there and are things that are beneficial to us. For one, Jesus said that you need to repent. Turn from the way that you're living and come and follow me because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Like the kingdom of heaven is here. He said, come follow me. He actually says, pick up your cross and come follow me. He says, if you want to find your life, you must lose it. And then he had this, this set of teachings in the book of Matthew, early in Matthew and early in Luke, where he sits down, he teaches the masses. All these people have come, and they all sit and listen to Jesus' teaching. And these are some highlights, some of the things that Jesus spoke of. Now, in this, you'll never hear him say, I command you to do these things. But he tells them to do them. So you don't hear the word command, but he, he issues them as a commandment. He says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Because it's easy to love those who will love you back. Is that true? Yeah, it really is. It's just so easy to love people we know. Like when I when I'm go up and I say hi to so-and-so, they're going to say hi back to me. They're going to smile. They're going to give me a hug. It's awesome. But it's really difficult to go and say it to someone you might not get any kind of response from at all. Or maybe they don't want to talk to you. But it says to love those that are hard to love. It says, give to everyone who has a need. It's easy to give when you know you're going to get repaid. Once again, it's like, well, you know what? I'm going to do a favor for Joe, and I'm going to help him out. Well, I know he's going to help me out too, so that's the reason why I'm doing it. No, Jesus says, just give it to him. If they ask you for it and they need it, give it to him. Now, it's, it's interesting. In the didache, it literally says, if you don't have a need, don't ask for it. Like, if you don't really need, don't ask somebody to give you something. Matter of fact, it says you'll be cursed if you do that. That was kind of interesting. Like, if you, if you really don't need something, don't ask for it. It says, do to others as you would have them do to you. We know what that what is, right? That's the golden rule. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge others. Take the plank out of your own eye first. Some of this teaching. Do not condemn, and you won't be condemned. This morning I read this quote. Someone posted this on Facebook. A real desire to believe all the good you can of others and to make others as comfortable as you can will solve most of the problems. Okay, even here this morning, even amongst, uh, amongst the, the core team of people who make this church happen every single Sunday, that we must look at one another and think the best of them and want what's best for them, to really want to see them succeed to make them feel comfortable, make them feel welcome. I mean, that's, that's one thing that I think um, that I've heard such a bad rap about churches that really bothers me. That people will come and they don't feel loved. They feel condemned or judged or rejected even before they get in the door. And I can't imagine that church should ever be a place like that. You know, I'll model it the best way that I can. But then it's your responsibility to model it too, right? 
to love people just the way that they are when they come into this place or they come wherever it is that we meet or whatever church, wherever they're meeting, that they would feel loved and accepted for who they are. Do we want them to grow? Absolutely. But more than anything, we want them to feel loved and like they matter, they have a purpose. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you by the same measure. I love this. Like if you say, you know what? The song says, I surrender all, but I'm really only going to surrender just a small portion. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the small portion you're going to get back. But when you give everything, God is so faithful to pour out blessing on you. Such a blessing in giving. I do not worry. Instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and you'll have everything you need. Talks about the flowers of the field and how beautiful they are, how well they're dressed. They don't worry about what they're wearing. God supplies for them the birds of the air. God feeds them. This is a hard one. We want to get through this one fast. He says fast. Do without so that you can get more back. We, we, have a, we struggle with that one a lot in our culture for sure. This is pray and ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And in Matthew, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the path that leads to destruction. But narrow is the road that leads to life. All throughout Scripture, you'll find a common theme. There are two ways to live. And the the Lord, who loves you with everything that he has, gives you the ability and the freedom to choose which direction you want to go. It's preaching in, in the prison on Wednesday night. I got a chance to go to the prison again and and it's become one of my favorite places. <laughs> they are hungry for somebody to love them and accept them for who they are because they are, they've, society has already said that they're wrong. And they've had to admit it, have to admit it one way or another. They're wrong because they're there. So go and to love them and to accept them and to, and to share this message with them. And I shared with them this, this thought about the narrow road that leads to life and a, and a broad path that leads to destruction. I'll just give you a, a hint. The longer you stay on the broad path, the lonelier it becomes. When I first started kind of my party lifestyle years ago, I had a lot of friends. and We were all together in one place having a great time. But the longer I stayed on that road, the lonelier I became until I got to the place where it was just me on my face in my apartment and nobody else was around, and none of my friends were there. It was just me and just the Father. But then I noticed when I got up and I started coming back to church and getting connected to the, to the body of Christ, my family has grown, and it has grown, and it has grown to where it is like, it's massive. I can't even keep track of all the people in my family. And every single person who gives their heart to Jesus becomes a brother or sister of mine, because that's how it works in the kingdom. And we're going to get to heaven someday, and we're going to realize how big our family is. And Jesus says, choose which road you're going to take. And then he says these words. He says, anyone who comes to me and hears my words, hear these teachings, and puts them into practice like a man who builds his house upon the rock. He's a wise man. A secure foundation. One that will last forever. And it says, anyone who hears my words, but does not put them into practice. He says it's like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand, and when the storm comes, he's wiped, it's wiped away. 
But once again, in all those teachings, you'll never find the word, I command you to do these things. It's almost as if Jesus is just saying, you know what, I just expect you to do these things. It's just the right thing to do. It's actually the best thing for you. I have what's best for you in mind. And if you live this way, there's life. There's life abundant right here and right now. It's the best thing for you. I love you so much. I want the best for you. Do you believe that Peter and Danielle and Amanda and, and uh, Ryan, do they want what's best for their child? Can you imagine not wanting what's best for Gunner? Yeah, absolutely they do because they're good parents. They want Lily Joe to grow up, to, to know joy and happiness and peace and to know Jesus. But there are some commandments in the Bible that Jesus speaks of. When he's asked what the two greatest commandments are, he says what they are. He says the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, everything, surrendering all to him. And the second one is to love others like you love yourself. If you look at the Ten Commandments, they're all wrapped up in those two things. It's, first of all, it's all about loving God, putting him first. And the second says, how are you going to treat your neighbor? How are you going to treat the people around you? Loving them. Jesus actually said all of the law and all of the teaching of the prophets hang on those two things, loving God and loving others. And then in the last few moments that Jesus had with his followers before he was crucified and then rose again was in the book of John. And so just one more passage of Scripture before we finish up. Look in John chapter 13. So in John chapter 13, Jesus is, has met with his disciples. He's, he's shown them the full extent of his love. He washed their feet, gave them an example of how to serve one another. And then in verse 34, John 13, 34, this is, he says this, this phrase, and he repeats it several times later on in the book of John. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So Jesus said, I have given you the example. I have loved you, and so now I want you to love each other. And what is the result of that kind of love? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If, well, if you come to church every Sunday, you know, we hope you come every Sunday. That'd be great. We'd love to see you every week. Uh, if you just don't sin as much as the person next to you, <laughs> that'd be good, <laughs> depending on who the person next to you is, you know. Um, if you follow all of these things, and if you, all these things that Brady talked about, say, yeah, I've done all those things. I'm trying to be merciful. I'm trying to judge and try not to condemn, and all these things. But he says, people will know that you're mine if you love one another. Like, so what is the best thing we can do for the world around us? When we go out from this place to the world around us, what is the best thing we can do? Love each other. Love the person next to you. Love the person behind you and in front of you. Love them with more than just words. Once again, it's easy to say, oh, I love you, but when someone says, you know what, but I, I need your help this weekend, and you're like, oh, I got all these plans. I got so much else I want to do, but will, are you willing to 
sacrifice and say, you know, I'll put down what I'm doing to help you. Because there's going to be a day when you're going to need help. It's just kind of, a, kind of how that cycle would flow there. When we love each other rightly, that's how people know who we belong to. But is it easy? No, because some of you are hard to love. My wife would say there would be days where I'm hard to love. <laughs> because the problem is, is I go back to loving myself more than anyone else. You know? And when that happens, it's kind of like uh, I forget about everybody else around me. But it's a good thing Jesus gave us a good example, right? When he was willing to, to sacrifice everything. And you know, I know you'll say, well, you know, you'll, you'll hear that a lot in church. Well, yeah, because that is the common theme. That is like the most important message that we can share with you every single time that we're together. And so I want to ask you as we finish up our time together, just, just do me a favor, just, would you just bow your, your head and close your eyes? As Lily, Joe, and Gunnar Lee get a little bit older, they're going to realize how much their mom and dad love them. I mean, they can feel it now, probably experience it in some ways, but to fully comprehend it, it's going to take some time. But, but when they get a little bit older, they're going to know. And they're going to know their mom and dad loves them because of the love that their mom and dad has demonstrated to them. And so the question I have for you this morning is, do you ultimately know how much God really loves you? Have you experienced his love? Have you experienced his love to the point that it, it moves you to love other people? Let me even rephrase that. Have you experienced it enough that where you actually start loving yourself? Because once you discover how much you are loved, then you can start giving that away. And that is the thing that will make a difference in your school, in your work, um, in the community that you live in, in your neighborhood, um, in your own home. We love because he first loved us. And so isn't it interesting that Jesus commands his followers, he says, I command you to love each other. So I want to just uh, finish up with a, a, simple, a simple gospel message for you to hear. Because I love you, I want to share this with you. God created you to be with him. The whole reason you breathe in and out today is to be with him. That's your purpose in life. But our sin gets in the way of that. And it causes a separation between us and God. All of us have sinned. All of us are separated. 
So sin cannot be removed by good deeds. You can't do anything to make it you can't do anything to make it go away. I wish we could. You can't follow all of Jesus' commandments and make sin go away. The only one that can make that go away is Jesus himself. And so paying the price for sin, Jesus came out of love and he died out of love and he rose again out of love. So that everyone who puts their trust in Jesus can have eternal life. And life that is eternal starts this moment and lasts forever because ultimately... One of these days, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go out from this place. And we're going to go to the presence of the Father. And we're going to be with Him forever. And so have you trusted in Jesus? Have you put your hope in Him? And if you haven't, you can just pray right now. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I have not put my trust in You. I've trusted myself. I've trusted others. I've trusted my own abilities. But today, I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to give my life to Him. I want to surrender everything to Him. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know um, what that's going to mean completely, but I know that it's something that I need to do. God, thank You for demonstrating Your love for me. Even when I was not wanting anything to do with You, Jesus died for me. And because of His resurrection... I can hope to have eternal life someday. I don't have to, to think that this life is all there is. There's more to this life than just this life. So Father, would you come? Would you send your spirit to live in me, to give me life today? I just receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. put your hope in Jesus this morning, you need to tell somebody. And so we give you an opportunity to do that at the end of the service. I will stand here. I'll be willing to pray with you. There's other people in the room that can pray with you. Or you can let somebody know afterwards. Just, just, it's good news. Tell somebody about it. So we encourage you to do that today as the worship team leads us in one more song. And then we'll be done.